0: Welcome into a Monday edition of the podcast. Hope you all are doing fantastic. Hope you all had a great Mother's Day weekend. Enjoy time with your significant others, your own mothers, the mothers in your life, regardless if they're related by blood or not. But plenty to get to ahead on this edition of Locked on Cougars. We're going to check in with Zach Wilson. How's he fitting in with the Jets early on in his tenure? They had rookie minicamp over the weekend. We'll let you hear from him. We'll also catch up on 1937 in our 100 seasons of BYU football countdown. What happened? in the first year of Eddie Kimball's tenure, the fourth head coach in BYU football history. We'll talk about that and, of course, catch up on everything you need to know from the weekend in BYU sports. Softball wins a conference title for the 12th straight time. We'll break it all down for you ahead on today's show. Our title sponsor today is our good friends at Built Bar. Go to builtbar.com right now. Use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your next order. Great protein bars. We'll tell you more about them as the show progresses. All right, without further ado, let's get it fired up here on a Monday. This is the Locked on Cougars podcast for May 10th, 2021. What's up, everybody? I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah. Thanks again for taking some time to join us on your daily podcast focused on all things BYU right here on the Locked On Cougars podcast. A reminder for you guys that this podcast is available everywhere podcasts can be found, and that includes Apple Podcasts, despite their insane decision to do some updates that in my opinion, many of you expressed that it's not updating the podcast episodes for the better part of over a week now. I'm frustrated as anybody out there, considering I love bringing this content to you guys. So you know what? If you are happening to find us on Apple Podcasts, consider yourself lucky. Many of you are not. If you are looking for a new avenue for your podcast needs, might I suggest the new Odyssey app? We are partnered with Odyssey here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, but I started using the app when Apple started acting up for me. It's been a phenomenal addition to my rotation. Spotify is also out there. There's a myriad of other podcast providers, so I'm not just trying to advocate for one one or two, you guys find the one that works for you, and just the biggest thing I hope you guys do is hit that follow button and join us every single day. Our goal here is to make you guys the smartest BYU fans in the room, and the way we do that is keeping you guys up to speed on everything you need to know as a BYU fan every single day. All right, getting going here on a Monday, on to bigger and better topics. Let's start off with a check in on Zach Wilson and the New York Jets. Yes. He is still relevant here in Cougarland, Cougar Nation, because he led BYU to an 11-1 record. He is now with the New York Jets. They wrapped up their initial rookie minicamp over the weekend. He worked alongside Tristan Hodge, his uh, former starting right guard. He's also with the New York Jets as an undrafted free agent, was also in action over the weekend. But Zach, being the number 2 overall pick, with it being rookie minicamp, there's going to be plenty of attention on him and plenty of media attention in particular. Well, Zach started out his media session over over the weekend, talking about how day one of his first experience at the helm of the New York Jets offense went. Here you go.
2: It was a lot of fun. It was fun to get back to, to playing ball and uh, meeting some of the guys. I think just getting used to, you know, the, the differences from from college in the NFL. You know, obviously uh, learning all the new plays, getting used to throwing to different guys. Uh, you know, the speed of the game is a little bit different, and then, and of course, the field, you know, is different as far as the hashes and numbers go. So uh, it was good just to get back after it.
0: And Zach isn't kidding when he's talking about how different the field is in the NFL. The hashes are much smaller together. Obviously, the numbers, all that stuff, it's so different from the collegiate game. That's one of the biggest comments I hear from guys who move on from the college game to the NFL, who talk about just how different the setup is, how offenses are run. It's just, it's really, really a different type of football despite it being the same game, in essence. It's kind of funny that way. That's kind of how it goes. Uh, Zach, off. Obviously made some headlines or maybe made headlines. I don't know if you really consider it headlines, but he was wearing number two on his chest or on his back with the jersey he has selected. It's not official that he will wear number two with the New York Jets, but for the time being, he is going to wear that number two jersey. And here's his explanation as to why
2: you know, mixing it up, you know, doing something new. I like any single digit numbers. And I think, I think it's kind of cool that I was the second pick. I think that's kind of a cool reason to be able to switch it up. You know, there wasn't really too much thought behind it, but I just think it's a cool number.
0: So with all apologies to those of you who already ordered that number one, Wilson Jersey from NFL shop.com. Well, it appears Zach's pretty uh, intent on wearing a different number than he wore previously at both Corner Canyon High School, as well as his time at BYU. I know he, as a freshman, he wore the number 11 for the Cougars, but had two ones. Obviously, he was gunning to get to number one, and he did so as soon as, he, as soon as he was able to. You heard him explain, hey, I like single-digit numbers, as most quarterbacks do, but hey, Number two, I think, is a great pick, considering he was the number two pick. It's kind of a similar situation, I think, to Rudy Gobert with the Utah Jazz. Many of you probably wonder why he wears the number 27. He wears 27 because he was the 27th overall selection in the NBA draft, and it motivates him to prove that the other 26 guys picked in front of him are inferior to him as NBA players. That debate could rage on forever, but... I think guys are motivated by that, and I think number 2 is actually a pretty slick number for a quarterback. So if he decides to stick with number 2, I've got no qualms about it here, but you guys may have your opinions vary on that topic. On to other things, Zach Wilson was asked, what are the similarities or differences between the offense you're going to run with the Jets here? I know it's early on in his run with the Jets, but what are the similarities and the differences between what the Jets are running and what he ran at BYU?
2: terminology is completely different you know football is really like learning a, a language you know you got to go in there you got to work at it every single day to put the words together be able to think of them quick and know what's going on similarities is the is a play action game the inside zone outside zone is something specific to the west coast offense that we did at BYU the mix of under center and, and gun being able to do both uh, lots of shifts motions uh, that kind of thing is very similar
0: If you guys want to look at what the Jets' offense is going to look like, in essence, there are two NFL offenses to examine. They would be the Green Bay Packers as well as the San Francisco 49ers offense. Matt LaFleur, the head coach of the Green Bay Packers, is the brother of Mike LaFleur, who is the new offensive coordinator there with the New York Jets. He will be heavily influenced by what Aaron Rodgers and the Packers did, and I think for good reason. My player comp for Zach is Aaron Rodgers. If you want one, I think player comps. They don't necessarily work in my mind, but you know what? That's kind of my player comp for it. But also, Matt LaFleur comes over from the San Francisco 49ers where he was the quarterback's coach under Kyle Shanahan, working there with Shanahan and his offense. That's why Zach, when he explains how the shifts, the motions, all that stuff is very similar to BYU. This is very much an offense that is going to have a lot of tight end movement, a lot of fullback movement. It's exactly what Zach ran. Okay, exactly is probably the wrong term there. But it's very similar to what BYU ran with Zach under center. I really liked how BYU mixed things up. Playing under center, playing out of the shotgun, as Zach explained. That is going to be a benefit to him, having worked out of both sets. And I know that Aaron Roderick, as well as former BYU offensive coordinator now, Baylor offensive coordinator Jeff Grimes, very much wanted the offense at BYU to be that way, to allow these quarterbacks to have a lot of experience, make as pro-like as they possibly could, so that when NFL scouts were looking at the offense, they could get a good look at how things would translate to the next level. And I think it has benefited a guy like Zach now as he joins the New York Jets. I really like the offense he is entering. The big question will be the personnel. Can they hold up? And that's always going to be a question when it comes to the NFL level, and we'll find out how that goes as it plays out. But a couple other things here from Zach after his initial media session. He was asked, well, okay, how different is your life now with the New York Jets? You're going from Utah to the Big Apple, New Jersey there, Florin Park, where they practice, the big facility there for the New York Jets. Well, he explained how crazy life can be for a new rookie quarterback in the NFL.
2: Yeah, it's been exciting. You know, I've had a blast. It's a very, you know, pretty, beautiful place, very green, you know, so I'm excited to be here. You know, my family didn't come out with me this time while I'm moving out, but they'll, they'll find some time to come down and check out the area and Uh, you know, it's kind of crazy how fast your life can change, you know, but it's on to the next challenge and just adjusting with everything going on here. And and I'm excited about it.
0: We all know that the Wilson family will be featured prominently in Zach's run as a quarterback with the New York Jets. But yes, I think he's handling things the right way. The biggest thing I take away from Zach during his time at BYU and what I take away from him now in his initial debut in the NFL, he's unflappable. He answers every question straightforward. He always gives you something that you can use as a reporter. And that's something that's going to be appreciated about him despite what probably is going to amount to a fair amount of losing early on in his tenure with the New York Jets. One final thing here on Zach Wilson from his media session is he was asked how important is being the starting quarterback to him of the New York Jets?
2: Obviously, that's important, you know, but that's not my focus right now. My focus is to to learn the offense, keep getting better every single day, you know, do what I can with the guys around me. Uh, and I think the rest takes care of itself, you know, in, in this position. The coaches want to play the best player. And that, that position has got to be earned. You know, I got to go in there and I got to make sure I do what I'm supposed to do. And, uh, you know, that'll take care of itself.
0: What did I say about Zach Wilson being unflappable when it comes to media? Well, that's exactly an example of that. I can tell you this much. If Zach Wilson, for some reason, is not the starting quarterback when the New York Jets open up their season this fall, it'll be because of injury. It is not going to be for anything other than that. He is going to be QB1 for the New York Jets. They drafted a number two for that exact reason, Joe Douglas. Joe uh, Robert Sala, the head coach, they are going to make Zach Wilson the featured piece in their offense, and for good reason. He's got that skill set, folks. We all saw it when you watched him play at BYU. So I think he is smart about saying, yes, it's not the focus for me right now, but you know in the back of his mind, he's like, yeah, QB1's mine. What are you going to do about it? Come take it away from me. I really look forward to seeing Zach with the New York Jets, and we'll check in from time to time. I thought it was fun to have that rookie minicamp going on and figure we would play some of the sound from his media session when he spoke with the local media out there in New York. Alright, coming up here in a minute, we'll stick with the BYU football theme of things. We will examine 1937, the dawn of another era in BYU football, their fourth head coach, Eddie Kimball, takes over as head coach of the BYU football program. How do they do under their fourth head coach in program history after nearly a decade under another Coach, we'll get to all of that here in just a few moments. Today's show is brought to you in part by our good friends at Bet Online, folks. They are the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing right now. You can track all of the action of Bet Online if you have interest in that. You also can get the latest news, odds, and info for all of your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, even UFC and MMA action, guys. If you have interest in any of that, they've got it for you. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all of the great sporting news. Sign up for their bonuses and also check out contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs and through the playoffs. Head to the website now or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus upon your first deposit using the promo code LOCKEDON. You heard that right, a 50% welcome bonus. Take advantage of it now. BetOnline.ag, promo code Locked On with that first deposit. It's all courtesy of BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, folks, 1937 was the debut season of Eddie Kimball as the head coach of the BYU football program. Some of you heard us talk about him probably a few weeks back. Well, Eddie Kimball was one of the few coaches at BYU as the head coach of the football program who was an alumnus of the university. Eddie Kimball was an all-conference performer for BYU in the 1920s, graduated in 1926 with a degree in accounting from BYU, actually ultimately went on to get a master's degree in uh, accounting from the University of Southern California, USC, as well as a doctorate in education from the University of Oregon. Highly, highly educated man, but a good football coach, to boot, he came to BYU in 1937, actually 1936, excuse me, took over as the athletic director for BYU. Then in 1937, G. Ott Romney moved on. He eventually, as we mentioned on Friday's edition of the podcast, moved on to uh, hold a number of positions at the national level when it came to physical education, working in Washington, all that stuff. He spent the majority of his life out there on the East Coast. But Eddie Kimball took over in 1937 as the head coach of the BYU football program, and his nickname, when he took over in 1937, was the kid coach. If you guys will recall, he played for BYU, graduated, I said, 1926. He played for the Cougars, 1923 to 1926, I think, as well. So he was not an old man when it came to being a coach at BYU. And the majority of guys during this era of college football, they're relatively young men when they took over the programs that they were at the helm of. Well, the good news was that we talked about last week on the podcast how after 1932 and that 8-1 and one record, Coach Romney never was able to get things reloaded on his roster. Well, he maybe left a season too early if you were to look back at it because in 1937, Eddie Kimball had his best season as a head coach at BYU and it was due in large part to the rebuilding efforts that Coach Romney and his staff had done. They left him a pretty full cupboard when it came to players taking over. The Cougars on the season went 6-3, 5-2 in the Rocky Mountain Conference and for the second time... Going back to that 1932 season when they finished second in the conference, they finished second once again. They beat out Denver and Utah, who they tied with in a conference record. I don't know how necessarily things were uh, figured out on that front, but they were obviously one of the tops in the conference, finishing second only to number 17-ranked Colorado, who was led by one of the legendary names, legendary figures in the sport, Wilford Whizzer White, one of the great quarterbacks and a great nickname, Whizzer White. He won the Heisman Trophy, if I recall correctly. Well, Colorado that season, eight and one overall, seven and zero in the Rocky Mountain Conference. BYU six and three overall, five and two in the conference. And the season started out. Decently for BYU, they opened up against Colorado State Greeley, winning that game seven to nothing. Then for the seventeenth straight time, losing to Utah in Salt Lake City, fourteen nothing, getting shut out there. They followed that up by beating UC Davis thirty-four to nothing, so a nice response. But then suffered their only losing streak on the season, losing against Wizzer White and Colorado fourteen to nothing. White on his way to the Heisman Trophy that year, if I recall, had two passing touchdowns in that victory for the Buffaloes. Then played at Portland Portland losing to the Pilots 13-10 to after a late touchdown after a turnover for BYU. See, turnovers back in the day are just as critical as they are in the modern game. Kind of funny how things are just that way. But BYU at that juncture, so October 23rd, they lose at Portland. They're sitting at 2-3, and, and obviously at that point, you're okay. Who are at a tipping point here with this program. How are things going to look with Eddie Kimball at the helm? Well, the good news is he got guys rolling, and the BYU football program, man, absolutely stellar down the stretch they opened it up with a whipping of western state 21 to nothing yes they're still undefeated against western state they went to wyoming in laramie and won 19 nothing so there you go 40 nothing in back to back wins in terms of overall scoreline they went to utah state and absolutely smashed the aggies 54 to 10 man that's a 54 points in this era of college football is a lot of points, but BYU did it up in Logan in a rivalry game, finally uh, breaking the hex. They had that four game run where they beat Utah State under G. Ott Romney, then ended up finish out his tenure losing to Utah State. Well, Eddie Kimball got off on the right foot against the Aggies in an absolute route. And then finished the season against Montana State, winning 19 to nothing. So that is a four-game win streak to finish out the season, six and three, five and two in the conference. The Cougars down the stretch there. Only allowed 10 points, and it was the only time that they allowed a team to score was that game at Utah State. A very, very impressive close to the season. And BYU was led by a trio of all-conference performers. Wayne Soff, I'm hoping I'm pronouncing this correctly, it might be Wayne Sophie, but he was BYU's team captain. He was an all-conference player at guard. Also led by Gerald Gillespie, who was a guy, had a nickname Bulldog, was one of the smartest guards BYU developed as well. So they had a nice offensive line this season. And then the, the guy who I wanted to highlight today was Jack Stringham. He was a red-headed fullback who was always good for a yard or two, according to the BYU Banyan, threw an airtight line, came to the Cougar camp from Granite High School, a wonderful blocker. Jack was one of the most valuable players on the squad and will be a great help to the Brooklyn Dodgers next fall. And you're probably saying, Jake, we're talking about football here. Why are the Brooklyn Dodgers being mentioned? Well, Jack Stringham ultimately was a 1979 BYU Hall of Fame inductee. He did get signed by the Brooklyn Dodgers to play professional football in 1938. He left BYU after 1937 as an all-conference performer, as a fullback and tailback. It's a question of how could he he have been had he remained with BYU, but he went off to make his money playing professional baseball. This is a guy who lettered in multiple sports at BYU, including wrestling as well as basketball. Just a true all-around athlete. One other name to know from this squad in 1937 is that of one Stanley Watts. Those of you who are familiar with your BYU basketball history will remember the name Stan Watts. The one and the same. Stan Watts was an all-conference performer for BYU in basketball. I think he also played uh, baseball. Just a guy who did a lot of different things. Ultimately, basketball was his one true love. But as a 25-year-old senior, he was a member of the BYU football program in 1937. He was a transfer from Weber College up in Ogden. Uh, He was a guy as a 175-pound fullback, Played for BYU and obviously went on to have a legendary career at BYU when it came to the basketball front of things. But he obviously got to start playing multiple sports, including football, for BYU. So there you go. Kind of what you need to know about 1937. It truly became the high watermark of Eddie Kimball's run at BYU. Kimball, we'll talk about, actually had two separate runs for the Cougars. He was obviously disrupted by World War II. He went off to serve in the Armed Forces. He was still a young man, as I mentioned. He was in his 30s when he took over as head coach at BYU. Obviously athletic director for the majority of his time. In 1936, he actually was BYU's basketball coach. He had a run there as a basketball coach. Did a lot of different things for the BYU football and basketball programs. His overall career head coaching record in football was 34, 32, and 8. He was 59 and 38 in basketball, so winning records in both sports. But they were spread across the better part of two decades with about a five- or six-year gap between them due to his serving in the U.S. Army in World War II. So we'll continue to explain more about the run that Eddie Kimball had because it's going to take up the majority of the next two weeks as we get through his tenure. Floyd Millett will be in here with a one-year stint as head coach when uh, Coach Kimball took off to serve in the Army. It's going to be a fun time. Obviously, football during this era, very different, but also in many ways the same. As I mentioned, they lost the game due to a late turnover that ended up being a touchdown for Portland. How crazy is that? Well, it's not that crazy if you watch football in the modern day. But we'll continue on. 1938 tomorrow. We'll carry on. We'll make it to the 1940s this week. Obviously, BYU did not play during the mid-part of the World War II era because of the war effort, and we'll explain more about that as well, but we'll carry you guys up through 1990, but we will carry you guys all the way through 2020 as we continue on throughout this summer. This is going to be a summer-long project. I have, I'm have i in it for the long haul, folks. We're going to do this podcast, and we're going to talk about a lot of different things, but the one staple you know you can come To every single day with this is you will hear about the BYU football program each season counting you down all the way till we get to 2021 and the kickoff this September down there in Las Vegas against the University of Arizona. So 1938 tomorrow, second year of Eddie Kimball's run as BYU's head coach. How did it go as he follows up a six and three record and number two finish in the conference? We'll explain on tomorrow's podcast coming up here in a moment though we'll catch you guys up on everything else you need to know as a BYU fan from the weekend that was in BYU sports a tough loss the BYU men's volleyball program in the national title we'll get to all of that in just a minute today's show is brought to you by our good friends at Built Bar they have nine delicious flavors guys of course the occasional limited time flavors that they put out as well I'm actually kind of myth that they cut down from the 18 flavors they have but you know what Why not keep the fans wanting more when you make them limited edition releases? But I can tell you this much. The nine flavors they have available at the ready are absolutely incredible. Coconut, coconut almond, cherry raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, and salted caramel. There is something in there for everyone, I promise you. Both nut and non nut flavors. The good news for those of you who are sensitive to nuts, they are made in a nut free facility for the non nut flavors. They are safe in that regard. The best part is my favorites are on this list. I love cherry, I love raspberry. Kind of said they got rid of orange because I really like that orange flavor, but I'm also a big fan of peanut butter brownie as well as coconut almond. Give them a shot, folks. They are the best tasting protein bars I have ever had. That's what I love about them. Most of the flavors have 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, and by the way, only 4 grams of net carbs. Just think about that. Absolutely incredible. High-protein, high-fiber, low-sugar, low-calories. They're perfect for the health-conscious guy or gal, no matter what you might be doing. Even the keto diet, they're compatible with. Give them a shot. Go to BuiltBar.com. You can use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your first order. Check it out once again. That's BuiltBar.com, LOCKED15, for 15% off your order at BuiltBar.com. And enjoy the best-tasting protein bars anywhere. All right, folks, let's get you guys caught up on everything else you need to know as a BYU fan here on a Monday from a busy weekend in BYU sports. Let's start off on the volleyball front and BYU men's volleyball for the third straight time in the national championship match gets swept. They were swept in back-to-back years against Ohio State in 2016 and 2017, if I'm not mistaken. And then BYU, Saturday night, Just could not handle the firepower that the University of Hawaii at Manoa had. And the Rainbow Warriors win their national title. Their first official national title in program history. Their first was stripped due to NCAA sanctions. But BYU, man, I'm not sure what it's going to take for them to break through. Because now we're looking at the better part of two decades without a national title. The Cougars all-time now just 3-5 and in national championship appearances. I know Coach Olmstead's probably tearing his hair out thinking about what might have gone wrong there. There's a large senior class, I think seven seniors in all moving on from this program. They look like they were on their way to the national title in 2020. They lose it with that same crew in 2021. And it's just... Leaves you kind of scratching your head. You don't. You just kind of wonder what happened. But congratulations to the University of Hawaii at Manoa, a great win for them, winning their first national title officially. And congratulations once again to BYU Men's Volleyball on another great season. But obviously, they want the hardware. They want that banner up in the rafters there at the Smith Field House. Coach Olmstead will go back to the drawing board and see what they can do in 2022. All right, other news for you guys. Congratulations to BYU Women's Softball. They won the West Coast Conference Championship with their sweep win against Santa Clara, 6-1 in Santa Clara, California. That clinched their 12th consecutive conference championship, as well as the accompanying automatic bid into the NCAA tournament. Riley Jensen, absolutely a star for BYU. She tied the program record for doubles in this win over Santa Clara and she is now number two all-time in career hits at BYU. So just incredible career for her, setting all kinds of records. Oh, excuse, excuse me. She's now doubled to be number one all-time in career doubles. She's number two all-time in career hits. Has an outside shot of taking over the number one spot in that career hits mark. We'll see what happens. But congratulations on another nas- uh, not national championship, a conference championship for BYU women's softball. We'll find out as things go uh, this weekend when it comes to the NCAA selection show where they're seated their regional area all that stuff Uh, they'll have a second senior day will be a blue and white scrimmage this coming Friday at 5pm Mountain Time fans are invited out to that BYU will also be in action against uh, Dixie State today in a doubleheader against the Trailblazers. Game 1 starts at 2 o'clock Mountain Time, and the second game will be at 4 o'clock. If you can't make it out for that senior day, like I mentioned, the blue and white scrimmage will be this Friday with fans invited to attend at 5 o'clock Mountain Time as they have an Intrasquad squad scrimmage. There at Gale Miller Field. All right, other news and notes for you guys include BYU baseball. They split their weekend, going to winning two of the three games they faced off against San Diego down there in San Diego, California. They won a slugfest eleven to ten on Saturday before losing in the season uh, the series finale on Saturday. Excuse me, thirteen to twelve. BYU pounding out the hits and obviously could get some pitching. They might have won that second game. But nonetheless, BYU with a solid weekend overall in conference play. They will be back in action later this week as they open up a series against Pacific there in Stockton, California, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday for the Cougars. No midweek game this week for the Cougars. A little bit of a respite for them. Hopefully they can catch up on schoolwork and the like. And the final note for you guys here on a Monday is congratulations and a best of luck to three former Cougar football players who are participating in the Spring League. Uh, Former BYU offensive lineman Tijon Karoma, former BYU defensive lineman Tomasi Laulile, as well as former BYU. BYU linebacker Manoa Pakula are all teammates in the Spring League playing for the Jousters is their team name. They lost their first game 21-19 to the Generals. Tough loss for the Jousters. Hopefully they can bounce back. A lot of these games, if you're interested in watching these former Cougars play, are going to be on the Fox family of networks. So a big opportunity to watch some spring football, see some former Cougars in action, and best of luck to them as they try and bounce back with the Jousters this coming week. All right, that is going to do it here on a Monday. Make sure to follow the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Keep you guys up to speed on everything when it comes to the podcast as well as BYU Sports. Also, make sure to reach out to us via email. LockedOnBYU at gmail.com is the email address, and we love hearing from you guys. And I hope you guys are all doing well, regardless of where you might be here on this fine Monday. Until tomorrow, have a great day. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast from May 10th, 2020 and we will talk to you guys manana